the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the best of investing on 860 AM, The Answer. The show that brings you valuable information about real estate, the financial markets, and other economic business of the day. Your host, Edward Brown, is a nationally recognized expert on money and investing who has appeared on CNN and has published numerous articles in national business magazines and newspapers. Now, your host for the best of investing, Edward Brown. Welcome. You're listening to The Best of Investing. I'm your host, Edward Brown, along with my co-host, Nam Fon of Pacific Private Money. Mark Honf is off today. Uh, our phone number is 888-912-1190. Use that number to answer the trivia questions for a five-pack tanning certificate to give it away during this show. And that certificate's not sponsored by the radio station, but by Tan Bella Tanning Salon with two locations in San Francisco and one in Marin. Today's, today's trivia theme is TV shows, How Did They Die? All right. And our special guest today is Michael Morangiallo, uh, Morangiallo, excuse me, president of Bay Area Wealth Builders. And uh, Michael's been investing in real estate since the early 1980s through six different prior presidential office holders. I like that. And has experienced his share of upside and downside cycles. Uh, Michael, welcome to the best of investing. Again, we've had you on a few times. Yeah, thanks, Edward. And uh, good to see you and Nam again. Yeah, likewise. Good. So uh, let, let's just get right into it because uh, let, let's here are the topics that we're going to cover. Uh, and then we'll, we'll do one at a time here. But uh, uncollected rents, uh, delayed forbearances and foreclosures. Is this a ticking time, mom? Uh, virus trending down, vaccines trending up. What does that mean for real estate? Key leading indicators that one should keep an eye on. How long will this imbalanced supply demand housing shortest last? And what are the prospects for another real estate market crash in the U.S.? These are all great topics, Michael, that you wanted to cover. Um, so uh, let's, uh, let's just go one by one here. Uh, uncollected rents, delayed forbearances and foreclosures. Is this a ticking time bomb? What do you think? Well, we got a lot of ground to cover, as you said. So, yeah, we'll get right into it. Um, the rents uh, that have been uncollected now for many landlords has now been pushing well over a year. And yeah. uh, it looks like June, end of June, early July is when uh, some of these moratoriums are going to end. So there's a lot of anticipation uh, on both sides of this issue that when that moratorium ends, we're going that we're going to see a dramatic increase in evictions, uh, hence bringing potentially more properties on the market uh, for sale, because a lot of landlords may decide to exit the rental property business. Um, and uh, is that going to, you know, maybe affect values to some extent? My take on it is that it is far more overblown 
than I think is being played out to be. I don't, I don't think it's going to be a critical mass issue. Um, I do believe that, um, yes, a lot of these uh, people that have been working the system, or as we like to say, JIP, the CIS, uh, <laughs> that, uh, they, they've been working it for the last year, some legitimately. You know, there's been hardships as a result of COVID, um, as a yeah. result of economic um, you know, hardships for them. But um, there's also many that, uh, quite frankly, uh, realize, recognize that the end is at hand. They're going to have yeah. to pony up and pay the rent or not. Now, state of California has earmarked billions of dollars, I believe, uh, for uh, assistance, some sort of rental uh, subsidies that you and I as taxpayers will help put the bill on. Mm-hmm. And um, that's not a great thing because it just keeps delaying the inevitable. But um, I don't think it's going to be that dramatic. Uh, so it, 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 there, yes, there's going to be some pain, uh, but um, I don't think it's going to affect the real estate market dramatically. Okay. You know, Michael, you uh, bring up June as a time frame. I saw a um, uh, article today. It said federal judge lifts nationwide eviction ban. Is that what they're saying in that article, or generally that uh, is the time frame? Yeah, no. Um, uh, actually, that's a different issue. That's an issue where landlords brought a federal suit um, against a uh, against the CDC, uh, stating uh, that they had no authority to impose um, restrictions on property rights. Mm-hmm. And they successfully uh, they successful they were successful in that lawsuit uh, where the courts have agreed that you're right uh, uh, the uh, Center for Disease Control should not be dictating property rights uh, or restrictions on property rights to to the landlord. So mm-hmm. it's not going to accelerate, I think, the uh, the June date, uh, but yeah. it does show that the landlords have been pushing back and finally have a little bit of a victory, if you will. After yeah. All this time. Well, yeah. so my my point uh, that I brought up before was you know. It's, it's one thing if to, to push this harsh uh, rules on the landlord saying you can't evict for non-payment, and then to, to but to give money to the tenants, it seems like kind of a double whammy. I mean, what they should have done was just say, you know, what we're going to give that money to the landlords because why should the landlords have to pay for the tenants' COVID issues? I mean, the landlords may be dealing with it themselves too, and it's not their fault. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I mean, this is this is as 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 uh, as stating the obvious. This pandemic, this downturn, is probably one of the worst, if not the worst, economic um, and and, uh, crises that we've ever experienced in our lifetime, unless we were around in the 1920s. Yeah. 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 You know, know, it's interesting. You're right. I I think it's not going to be. I think it's overblown. Um, But in some ways, it'll be similar to the. Great recession with respect to some tenants are probably doing sort of like strategic defaults, right? They're, they they they're getting away without paying. In the meantime, rents are potentially going down. Do they think they can, you know, leave a, their current uh, property and then get rent somewhere else for less? In the meantime, yeah. they haven't paid. A single dime. Yeah, they might try to use that as an angle to renegotiate the rents. I think you're going to see that more in the commercial sector, uh, Uh where they're going to really be pressuring the building owners, you know, to lower their rents or recast the leases or to just. We actually heard of a situation on a commercial building uh, this past week where the uh, the landlord was willing to let the tenant out of the lease just to vacate so that they could then have a better shot at releasing and not having to get into drawn out protracted litigation. Yeah. yeah. And here's the the thing that's going on right now is building costs are going through the roof. So it's going to be difficult to find uh, builders willing to build 
at reasonable prices that people can afford. So we're going to still have that housing shortage. In my professional yeah. opinion. One, hey, one more, just one more comment on this on collected rents thing too, and that is you you, you mentioned it. And that is that many uh, landlords too have sought refuge uh, for forbearances because yeah. if they're not collecting rent, they have now gone back to their lenders too. Exactly. Okay. Hey guys, we're going to get to our first commercial break. And again, as a reminder, Michael, if you know the answer, don't say anything until we get back from break. All right. First trivia question in Seinfeld, how did George's fiance die? That's our trivia question. The uh, call 888-912-1190. The first caller with the correct answer is going to win that tanning certificate, which by the way, is worth over a hundred dollars. Uh, so that's a pretty good uh, uh, gift. Let's see. Again, uh, here's the trivia question. In Seinfeld, how did George's fiance die? All right. Stay with us. You are listening to The Best of Investing. Don't touch that dial. We're going to be right back with Edward Brown, Nam Fon, and Michael Moranciallo talking real estate. For more information on today's topic, call Edward Brown directly at 888-912-1190. The Best of Investing will continue in a moment on 860 AM. The Answer. Now, back to The Best of Investing with Edward Brown on 860 AM, The Answer. Welcome back to The Best of Investing. Again, I'm Edward Brown, your host, along with Don Pond and our special guest, Michael Morangiola. Uh, first trivia question, uh, talking about TV shows, how did they die? In uh, the TV show Seinfeld, how did George's fiance die? Michael, do you remember Seinfeld? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to call a blank on that. I'm, oh, I'm not a Seinfeld fan. Okay. Um, food poisoning or something like that? Close. Licking poison glue on the wedding envelopes. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> kind of a strange one there. Okay. So, Michael, you are quite an expert in uh, real estate. In fact, you have um, the uh, – you're the president of and founder of Bay Area Wealth Builders, which is uh, kind of like a meetup group. Would, would you count – Kind of put it in that term? Yeah, I, I would say we're sort of a pseudo meetup group, uh, a networking group. I mean, we it's a group of individuals that have been getting together now going into our 21st year wow. uh, of okay. having live meetings, of course, up until COVID, where we get together and we talk about uh, how to buy and sell and lease and manage and option and exchange real estate. And it's attended by people from all walks of life, uh, both what I would call a beginning real <laughs> yeah. estate investor to the seasoned pro that's been at it quite a while. So so it's a really a great group. Yeah, I, I've uh, I've attended a couple of them. I've been uh, quite impressed with uh, not only your knowledge and and uh, you know the topics of the day that you cover, uh, but also the guests you've had. So uh, yeah. well, let's give a shout out to that. How, how do people get a hold of you slash Bay Area Wealth Builders? Yeah, let me give the website and I'll give you the uh, information phone number. That'd be the two best ways. So the phone number is seven zero seven nine nine six. 6411. Again, that's 707-996-6411. And uh, they always can go to our website and get more updated information on events that we have coming up, or sometimes we have some workshops we're sponsoring. And that would be found at the Bay Area Wealth Builders website, which is bawb.info. That's bawb.info. Okay. And Michael, Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to ask some questions. You know, I, I've attended uh, a few of your events and they're really informative. And it was when I yep. first joined uh, Pacific Private Money. Um, what is there a specific real estate asset class that you guys focus on? Or is it residential to commercial? Or is it really just kind of what's trending? 
You know, a lot of it is what's trending. The concepts, the discussion really can be utilized for most any type of real estate because mm-hmm. we do get into uh, marketing discussions, financing discussions, negotiating discussions and tactics, um, paperwork, if you will, mm-hmm. profitable clauses to protect one as a seller or buyer. But the, mm-hmm. most of their focus would be more on the one to four family because that's the a lot of our audience. Uh, yeah. But we have some very successful commercial real estate owners and operators and multifam owners that come to our meetings because, again, they like to rub elbows with other people that are like-minded. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, sometimes you, you just never know. What do they say? You're, you're one, uh, one, one person away from... from yeah, six, six degrees of separation. Yeah, exactly. Just one extra... I tell you, it's funny. I've gone to some networking uh, groups where it's like, yeah, the group itself was just kind of okay, but I just happened to meet the one person. And that one person just branched out to other things. It was really, really good. Yeah, yeah. Really well done. Okay. Uh, next question we have for you here is the virus uh, trending down, uh, vaccines trending up. What does that mean for real estate? You know, uh, those are two interesting trends to see uh, that are happening right now as of this date here. And that is, is that uh, the hospitalization rates are low or going trending down. Uh, the um, uh, the death tolls, of course, seem to be waning a little bit as well. So those are real good, favorable uh, views. Uh, and uh, as far as vaccines and vaccinations, I think if you're depending on what age group you're in, if you're 70 or older, I think it's almost like 80 percent now of the population uh, in uh, is is being vaccinated now once or at least twice. And of course, now that's filtering into the other age groups as well, because they've opened it up. So bottom line is all of this, I think, is very positive. Um, it's been long overdue. Uh, I, I can't see that this is going to do nothing more but help uh, help people and their uh, assuage some of their fears about, you know, getting back into more what we call, quote unquote, normal normalcy. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. And what key leading indicators uh, should one keep an eye on? Well, I, this is I'm going to quote uh, and talk a little bit about my good friend, Robert Campbell. Many of you may or may not know him, but Robert is a UCLA statistician and real estate economist. And we actually have him come into the BAWB meetings once a year uh, to give us a housing forecast. Now, we couldn't do it this year because of the lack of live events. But he's wrote, he, wrote, he wrote a wonderful book called Real Estate Timing. And he's a timing expert. He believes that that is probably one of the more critical aspects of owning property is the timing of when you acquire it and when you may exit from it. So he's fond, and I'm going to paraphrase a little bit about what he talks about, the five key leading indicators that he looks at that are very telltale signs about what could be going on in the marketplace. Number one would be existing home sales. Uh, is, is, are we in a robust time where sales are, are, are happening very frequently or, or, or is it a slow time? I think the answer to that right now at this point in time is we're in a pretty frenzied market right now. Uh, the second thing is new home building permits. And that is, uh, you know, do builders, new home builders, ground up construction builders, are they seeing confidence in the marketplace to go through that whole process, which is a protracted process yeah. to build? construction. Again, right now at this point in time, uh, new home building permits are up. They're, they're, they've increased in the last year and a half. Uh, the third key leading indicator is the NODs. And for those that don't know what an NOD is, notice of default. Uh, 
and um, and uh, notices of default are usually indications that there's distress. You know, people are behind on their loans and they can't get caught up. Uh, again, at this point in time, there's not that much of that activity going on. Yes, there always will be some, but not that much. Well, one, one quick question on that, though, on the NODs, uh, a lot of it could be that the banks uh, just have not filed them. Versus, because of the moratoriums. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. that's true. That is That could be artificially skewed at the moment. Yeah. Uh, and that'll also dovetail into the next key leading indicator, which is my fourth one, and that is foreclosures or trustee sales. Okay. Um, are those up at the moment or are they down at the moment? And uh, mm-hmm. arguably right now, there there's really not that much activity happening in yeah. that area. It could be, as you suggested, that it's because of some moratorium. Uh, yeah. But I think it's really more function of the marketplace that there's just a lot of people now that have equity, that have other a- a- outlets okay. uh, to help solve their problem. And then the fifth one, if you will, is interest rates. Is you know seeing where interest rates are. They've been at historically low levels now, under three percent. That's that's been unprecedented, you know, in our nation's history. Uh, and I'll throw one bonus one in there. And the bonus one is the uh, uh, as a leading indicator. I like to call uh, a leading indicator, unlike a lagging indicator. Lagging indicators are what appraisers tend to look at, and um, that is an agents look at, and that's sales that happened weeks or months ago. They're looking at what happened, you know, in the past in their rearview mirror, a leading indicator would be a um, one that would be what is the percentage of sale versus listed price. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. So if, they're, if we're selling at listing or above listing, that's a good indication rather than, you know, a, a smaller percentage of listed price. And when we uh, come back, we're going to ask you about how long this imbalance uh, is supposed to last. Here's our second trivia question. Again, the theme is uh, how did they die on TV? In the TV show, Two and a Half Men, how did Charlie die? Now, if you remember, Charlie was Charlie Sheen, and then Ashton Kutcher came in to take his place, all right? But they actually did say how Charlie died. You know, they had to kill him off because of all that craziness that was going on in his personal life, right? All right, call 888-912-1190. First caller with the correct answer is going to win that tanning certificate one more time. On the TV show, Two and a Half Men, How Did Charlie Die? All right, stay with us. You're listening to Best of Investing. Don't touch that dial. We're going to be right back. You're listening to The Best of Investing with your host, Edward Brown. For more information, visit bestofinvesting.com. More in a moment on 860 AM, The Answer. Listening to the best of investing on 860 AM, The Answer. Once again, your host, Edward Brown. Welcome back to the best of investing. Edward Brown, Nam Fon, and Michael Morangiallo here. And I'm Nam, I can see in the background your cat walking on the back. <laughs> uh, yeah, she almost jumped on my laptop. Yeah. Which <laughs> All right. First of all, our trivia question that on the TV show, Two and a Half Men, how did Charlie die? Food poisoning. <laughs> yeah, again, uh, looking more involved. Auto accident? Uh, no, close. Uh, he got hit by a train, apparently. Oh, they wow. never showed anything. They just kind of said it. Yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, Nam, you wanted to ask uh, Michael yeah. about the leading indicators. Yeah. Just uh, in the la- at the end of the last segment, Michael, you're we talking about uh, leading indicators versus lagging. You're say, uh, talking about sales to list price or list to sale price. Right. 
Um, what are you seeing in the marketplace? Because, you know, we have realtors on um, the Best of Investing show uh, all the time. And, and you know, the, the sounds like the list of sale price, you know, the sales price is over 100% of list. Right. And it's been that way for a while. Um, you know, so what are you seeing out there in terms of that? Well, as, as I said earlier today uh, in our segment, it, this is a very frenzied, robust market. It's a great time to be a seller at the moment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you're right. Uh, that's one of the things that's telling us in almost real time, are properties selling at or above listed price mm-hmm. or lower as a percentage of listed price? Right now, many of them are selling at listed price or over if they're priced correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll share with you a very recent... Uh, story about a friend of ours in the DC area. Now he was, we, you know, a lot of people in the Bay area are crying. Well, this is a crazy market and I can't get a house and I don't want to get caught in these bidding wars. This friend of mine sent me an article about DC. We think we have it bad here. The gist of this article was that um, there was a pre-listing coming on the market and the agents put it out there and they had 120 people through the house before it actually went into MLS. Once it went into MLS, there was 110 showings over a period of a week. Wow. And they had 25 offers on this house. Many of the offers were cash, and the lucky couple who ended up buying the house was lucky enough to buy it for a quarter million dollars over asking price. How much, um, how much was the asking price? Uh, the asking price, I believe, was nine ninety. Wow, and, that's um, a twenty five percent more. And, wow. and so the the gist of the article was: this is no longer just buying a house; this is trying to win a house. Yeah. Um, that it's become like almost a lottery atmosphere. So yeah, to your your point, uh, that is a good indicator to see really real time what's happening with trends right now versus the lagging indicators, which is looking back as an appraiser does or agents yeah. to see, oh, well, this house sold three months ago for this. This house sold three months, four months ago for this, uh, which are more lagging indicators. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, if you're in your Bay Area Wealth Builders group right now and you're having this conversation with real estate investors, I mean, if I'm if I'm interested in buying real estate, it's probably not the time. It's probably you know, good deals are going to be really really hard to come by. But if I've been holding real estate, I guess the question is, you know, if I acquired it, you know, ten years ago, should I be, you know, should I continue to hold or should I pull some money off the table and sell? I mean, I'm sure that these are you know, top of mind discussions. Wait, everything's based on alternatives, right? So. Well, you, yeah. you know, whenever you sell, you remember you have other things that come into play like taxes. Yeah. And, that's, taxes and, and, are- and I'll just ask you and the audience this question. Do you know anybody with highly appreciated real estate these days in California? Yes. I mean, the answer is that's a rhetorical question. The answer, oh, not oh, I thought, oh, I thought yeah. I was going to win a prize for answering correctly. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. So um, there's a lot of people that you are, are in that boat and, and they're asking themselves the same thing. Should I sell? Should I wait? Uh, that's going to be a personal question. Um, yeah. I would just uh, push back on, on you from one thing. And that is, is that there are always opportunities, whether we are going up or going down or sideways, there are always going to be value added opportunities. A good example is, um, uh, let's say in a marketplace like maybe Mill Valley or Southern Marin County or another sort of affluent area in the Bay Area where you can buy property, maybe do an addition. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the addition might cost you four or $500 a square foot to add on. But yeah. yet the price per square foot on the resale side is 1000 to $1,200 a square foot. That's mm-hmm. like printing money if you're, if you're able to navigate those waters and right. have those skill sets. See, the, the interesting thing is um, for, from the tax standpoint, 
uh, El Presidente is trying to get rid of, of course, they always talk about this, trying to get rid of 1031 exchanges, thinking, you know, oh, well, this this will, uh, you know, put more money in the coffers. But but the problem is, it's, I'm going to give a little economics 101 here. If they would say, you know, let, let forget the 1031 exchange, getting rid of it, what they'll end up doing is stimulating the economy because you'll have a lot more uh, agents making commissions and escrow officers, uh, you know, potentially the real estate taxes going up, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Because right now, if, if with appreciated property, if, if, if there's no incentive uh, or there's a big in- disincentive to sell because of taxes, people are going to sit on the sidelines and yeah. just wait. And unless you're going to go in their pocketbooks and say, uh, listen, Mr. Homeowner, your price, your house went from 700000 to a million, uh, a value-added tax, we're just going to tax you anyway, whether you sell it or not. Mm-hmm. I mean, talk about socialism, communism, Marxism, et cetera, et cetera. But yeah, I'm, I'm waiting for that day, unfortunately. <laughs> um, so, uh, Michael, how long do you expect this imbalance to uh, last? Well, you sort of dovetailed on some of the other issues that one needs to look at that could change the dynamic of this marketplace. And uh, yes, that sausage making is going on right now inside the Washington, D.C. Beltway uh, with regards to tax policy. And uh, there is a lot of discussion about increasing capital gains tax rates, doubling them from roughly 20 percent to 40 percent. There's talk about corporate uh, tax rates going up as well. Uh, There's talk about, as you mentioned, the curtailment of 1031 or tax deferred exchanges. But the big one I don't like is the stepped up basis elimination that's being discussed. Uh, where not just real estate, but any asset that you might acquire with a stepped-up basis previously, be it stocks, bonds, real estate, or other assets, that is also under attack potentially as well. So um, depending on what gets through and gets pushed through, and we'll probably know in the coming months as this sort of crystallizes, that could have a profound effect on the psychological view towards real estate and, and whether you know people want to still play in this uh, sandbox, if you will. Yeah, yeah. and the, actually the best thing they could do is lower real estate, uh, uh, capital gains taxes to, let's say, 9%. That's, that's, that's not part of their religious belief. I, well, but you know what? The, <laughs> isn't their religious belief, let's get more money in the coffers, or is it just punish people who have money? Because if they want more money in the coffers, lower capital gains tax, give people this quick, you know, and even say, listen, we're going to do it for one year. Uh, you'll get so many people selling and paying their taxes and getting rid of it. It's sort of, sort of like a, a Roth IRA. You know, you take, you just say, I'm going to go ahead, bite the bullet, exchange, you know, transfer from a, uh, convert from a, a raw, a, a regular IRA to a Roth IRA, bite the bullet, pay the taxes. All right, here we go. Here's our third trivia question. This one goes back in time a little bit. Remember the TV show MASH? Yes, sir. How, how did Colonel Henry Blake die? That's our trivia question. Call 888-912-1190. Uh, first caller with correct answer is going to win that tanning certificate worth over $100. In the TV show MASH, how did Colonel Henry Blake die? All right, stay with us. The best of investing will be right back. For more information on today's topic, call Edward Brown directly at 888-912-1190. The best of investing will continue in a moment on 860 AM. The answer. Now, back to the best of investing with Edward Brown on 860 AM. The answer. 
Welcome back to The Best of Investing. I'm Edward Brown, along with Nam Fon and our special guest, Michael Morangiano. Uh, third trivia question in the TV show, MASH, how did Colonel Henry Blake die? <laughs> you know, I was just thinking a disease of some sort, but I'm not no. sure. No, he had a helicopter crash over the Sea of Japan. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, it's a very famous uh, episode on MASH. Okay, uh, Michael, last trivia, or last trivia, last question for you is, uh, what are the prospects for another real estate crash uh, in the U.S.? Well, that's the million-dollar question, isn't it? Yeah. Um, that everybody's wondering, as Nam asked also a few moments ago. And um, my take on it is is that there's a lot of positive things happening right now. Uh, consumer confidence is strong. Uh, the yep. employment numbers that are coming out look very positive. Again, the economy is sort of kicking back into gear. This vaccination uh, that we talked about earlier, the increases there and the decreases in the uh, virus cases, all of those are positive outlooks that I think are going to bode well short term for real estate. I don't see a crash on the horizon. Uh, but again, my crystal ball only looks out so far. Um, I, I do think that some of these uh, issues that we touched on in the last segment about the taxation policies, about possible inflation coming into play, which will cause rates to rise, could you know start changing that supply-demand balance, and that may change the dynamics that exist in the marketplace where many buyers might say, well, maybe now's not a good time to make a big purchase decision, and maybe we'll sit on the sidelines, thereby increasing supply, thereby changing the dynamics where the sellers have the upper hand right now. Gotcha. Thank you so much, Michael. Stick around. Hey, Nam, we're going to move over to you for a minute. Um, so yeah. you are one of the uh, – uh, you're a manager at Pacific Private Money, Mm -hmm. And you guys have four different funds. Uh, yes. Do you guys, uh, you know, how do people know about the four different funds? Like, do you, do you have summaries on each one? Yeah, absolutely. So um, you're talking about the uh, Pacific Private Money Fund, which is our legacy fund, the Pacific Freedom Fund, which is um, the next fund we launched. Actually, it's one year anniversary, I think last month. And followed by the North Star Capital Fund, which is a ground up construction fund. And lastly, the Pacific Southwest Note Fund, which is a, Texas-based note buying fund. You can get uh, information about all of those just on our website, uh, which is www.pacificprivatemoney.com. Um, we can also email that information to you if you give us a call, which uh, you can call us at 415-883-2150. Um, and also you can learn about them uh, sometimes individually, or we've had webinars in the past where we go into detail about uh, the specifics of each fund or characteristics. And those can be found on our website as well. Um, so really go to our website and uh, under invest, you can see the four different kinds of funds that we have. Um, and we provide a kind of a summary slide on the, on the website or a summary grid that compares each of the funds characteristics, whether it's the amount you have to invest, the minimum investment or the return profile, the asset characteristics, like what kind of properties do we lend on? Um, and each, there's you know some differences among each of the funds, um, and really the best place to go is is on our website. And what may drive an individual investor's decision to invest is you know how much how much do I want to invest, and what's the minimum? What kind of return am, yep. am I looking for? Aggressive or something more conservative? Um, and how long do I want to stay in invested in one of the funds? So. Gotcha. All of those can be answered just on a grid or give us a, giving us a call. And can you give us a deal of the week, 
Yeah, I, you know, this is a, uh, sort of deals of the week or like to talk about some of the trends like uh, Michael talked about. And, you know, they're similar to what uh, Michael is seeing uh, in the marketplace. You know, obviously, a lot of the deals of the week these days are bridge loans yeah. where, you know, people are moving and uh, or want to take advantage of this hot market. But they, they know they can sell their home, but it's where are they going to move? And if they list their home, they're going to get an offer right away if it's priced right or if it's in great condition or even if it's not, um, chances are they're going to get a lot of offers just as not as much as if it were turnkey. But the problem that the, the, they then have to face is, you know, where am I going to buy, uh, go? And it's competitive. I don't want to compete against 20 other people uh, and then lose out and, and already having sold my house. You know, I don't want to have to rent. So we do a lot of bridge loans. Uh, so, and we've been talking about that for over the last year, but what we're seeing a lot lately are multifamily deals, borrowers who uh, acquired a property or want to acquire multifamily and are going to do some work on it. And whether they buy and hold it, most of them are, uh, they're just taking advantage of uh, the market right now and acquiring multifamily residential properties or or in some case, small commercial. They're seeing opportunities in the commercial space. So, so, now, you say multifamily. Are, are they actually apartments, or are they more like duplexes? They more like duplexes, duplexes, anywhere from four units um, on up to two small apartments, like okay. nine units, ten, uh, and larger. But some of the larger ones, we we just don't fit our sort of buy box, yeah. our lending box. Um, but we're just seeing a ton of that activity. So we're seeing uh, stuff from residential to multifamily to commercial. Um, and um, it's, it's a really vibrant market across a lot of different asset classes uh, where, you know, in June, July of last year, it was mostly just residential. Now we're seeing a lot of just mixed, you know, mixed uh, different types of properties. But you, you don't do much in the retail space no yeah. no i mean we'll get commercial but we're we don't have buyers for retail right now there's still yeah. well certain kinds of retail but but i think that's going to open up too i mean you Definitely. know and one leading indicator for me is trying to drive from here to san rafael at nine o'clock and yeah. all the traffic that i have to that we have to deal with now versus you know six weeks ago yeah that was one good thing about the pandemic was uh, the roads were kind of clear Oh, isn't that nice? <laughs> yeah. Because yeah, people really were nice. driving about 85 miles an hour in 25 mile an hour zones. That wasn't good. But uh, other than that, it, was, it wasn't too bad. Um, and before we get to another break again, Michael, how do people get a hold of you or uh, Bay Area Wealth Builders? Yeah, thanks. Sure. Uh, we, they can do it two ways. They can call our information number, 707-996-6411. Again, that's 707-996-6411. Or they can go to our website, and that's uh, info. Again, info. Okay. And uh, again, Nam and I have been to uh, a few of your events, and they're they're always they always have enough good information that's definitely worth worth going to. And uh, Nam, how do people get a hold of you if they are interested in Pacific Private Money's uh, funds? Yeah, if you're interested in the funds, or if you are a realtor or borrower needs yeah. uh, capital to to close on a deal, give us a call at four one five eight eight three twenty one fifty, or visit us at uh, www.pacificprivatemoney.com. 
And uh, there's a lot of information there. Maybe in the closing segment, we'll talk about uh, potential, you know, live events. You know, hopefully we can plan yeah. it. Michael will be having some too. Love to hopefully it. soon. Yeah. Are, are there any webinars uh, planned or are you just waiting for it to open up for a live event? I think, you know, we'll probably do one more webinar. Uh, I would say it would be June at this point, uh, but hopefully by mid-summer, we'll be back on the road. Very good. So. All right. Um, no trivia question here, but stay with us. The Best of Investing will be right back with some closing comments. You're listening to The Best of Investing with your host, Edward Brown. For more information, visit bestofinvesting.com. More in a moment on 860 AM, The Answer. You're listening to The Best of Investing on 860 AM, The Answer. Once again, your host, Edward Brown. Well, welcome back to The Best of Investing. Last time for today, I'm Edward Brown, your host, along with Nam Fon of Pacific Private Money and Michael Morangiallo of Bay Area Wealth Builders. Uh, Nam, um, you were going to take it from here. Yeah. Yeah, we were just talking about... Uh, during the break, you know, when we're going to have live sessions again. And, uh, you know, we'll probably do one webinar in June. And then after that, we'll, you know, hopefully that certainly California feels like it's ready to open up and we'll probably hold a live event. But, you know, our events typically, you know, can hold anywhere from 25 to 35 people, or that's typically how many people uh, attend the events. And we usually have them at hotels, but it sounds like maybe the hotels aren't necessarily ready to have us yet. So, you know, some restrictions. And I'm going to guess that it really has nothing to do with COVID itself. It's more of the legal liability. Of saying, I have yeah, to we're, imagine. We're, yeah, we're trying to do everything we can to, you know, because in case anybody gets COVID, of course, I don't know how they would pinpoint it back to the hotel seminar, but, uh, you know, that'd be a little bit challenging, but it, it, it's all about the attorneys, really. Yeah, we don't want uh, to make any headlines, you know, Pacific called <laughs> the super spreader event. <laughs> <laughs> California back from yellow to, to orange. So no, but uh, you know, I think by mid July, uh, things will be different uh, or August, you know, most people, a lot of people will have been vaccinated um, and, you know, will be hopefully well within the yellow tier or whatever the last tier is before things fully open up. But uh, you know, we, we will hit, hit the road again. And I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah, uh, There's a lot of events that we've held back on attending and hosting as well. Um, but I think in the fall, we're seeing events starting to pop up. Um, yeah. California, Las Vegas. I mean, some states, you know, are fully open. Florida. Uh, yeah. Florida, Arizona. So we're excited to, uh, to hit the road again and really um, – make 2021 make up for for 2020 yeah michael when do you think uh you guys will be full force getting together you know it's hard to predict but i think we're it's around the corner and uh it is coming uh ironically i've traveled a little bit over the last year and you know you get out of california and you do see a lot of other states that uh are almost back to some sense of normalcy if you will uh so uh, it's been very restrictive here so i i do think we're we're climbing out of this nosedive and uh, i suspect as non mentioned you know probably uh, by the end of the summer certainly maybe yeah. august you know or thereabouts yeah because this virus seems to do better in cold weather, doesn't it? 
Didn't it seem like in the well, people are more indoors, so they're closer together in theory. Yeah. So yeah. It, oh, that's okay. I thought it maybe had to do with the actual virus itself. Like it, it likes the cold, but uh, yeah, yeah, I don't know about that. Yeah. All right. So you know, I'll uh, end it too with uh, we we will have the results for the Pacific Private Money Fund for March. Uh, we have preliminary, and it looks like we uh, did an annualized return of about seven point four. Oh, so, good. Okay. Very consistent. Still staying very the, close yeah. to the uh, seven. Uh, seven. You were, you're always trying to shoot for close to seven and a half. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And then so, if people compound, then it adds what about thirty-five basis points? Somewhere around there, thirty. Okay. Thirty-five. So, yeah. So you know, you're talking seven and three quarters percent. Yeah. And you know, yeah. that's not bad at all. And uh, the Freedom Fund, what kind of rate of return are you paying on that? It's a fixed six percent. Six. So it's fixed six percent. The um, Northside Capital Fund target is eight to ten percent, and the Southwest Note Fund is what seven and a half. Is that uh, yeah fixed fixed yeah. return? Yeah, that's a fixed yep. return. All right, uh, if you guys are ready, we're going to have our thoughts for the day here. Do origami artists fold under pressure? <laughs> and what's the difference between in-laws and outlaws? Outlaws are outlaws are wanted. <laughs> Indeed, you made those up. That's a, yeah. <laughs> well, we're assuming that uh, all of our in-laws are are loved, like everybody else. So. All right, tune in next week to the best of investing. We're going to be giving away more free prizes for answering trivia questions. Thanks for listening. On behalf of our team, I'm Edward Brown. We're wishing you the best of investing. So long. You've been listening to The Best of Investing with Edward Brown. For more information on this program, call 888-912-1190. That's 888-912-1190. Or visit bestofinvesting.com. And join us again next week for The Best of Investing on 860 AM. The answer. This radio broadcast is in no way an offer to sell securities except where applicable in states where we are registered or where an exemption or exclusion from such registration exists. Information discussed during this broadcast, whether stock quotes, charts, articles, or any other statement or statements regarding market or other financial information is obtained from sources which we believe are reliable, but we do not warrant or guarantee the timeliness or accuracy of this information. Nothing in this broadcast should be interpreted to state or imply that past results are an indication of future performance. There are no warranties expressed or implied as to accuracy, completeness, or results obtained from this broadcast.